All right, we finish up the Gospel of Mark last time, and so the pattern I usually follow is I will alternate between a New Testament book and an Old Testament book, and so I looked and thought about uh, what place in the Old Testament we could uh, begin a new series with, and I settled on and fellows directed toward uh, looking at the book of the beginning of the Bible, started with Genesis, and uh, we might get into Exodus before it's all over, but we'll start with the book of Genesis and see maybe how long it takes to get through a uh, journey through the book. And so we're going to do that this morning, and I'm excited about that. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, there's so many great things that we find in the book of Genesis, so many important answers it gives us about the beginning of life on the earth. To begin this series, I want to do something that I've never done before in a message. I don't believe, can't remember doing this. I'm going to begin this message by giving a test. We're going to have a verbal quiz, and this is only going to be, you're only going to know your answers. You're going to, I'm going to give, I'm going to give a question, ask a question, and you think of an answer in your head and then I'm going to give you the answer. I got seven questions. Seven questions. And uh, let's see how, how you do. And you, you're the only one that's going to know your score. So if you don't want to tell anybody, you don't have to. But it's going to be seven questions over some things that we're going to talk about in the book of Genesis. And so let's just kind of test our knowledge about the things that we're going to talk about in the book of Genesis. All right. These first five questions, I'm going to give you two names. I want you to think about which person comes first. Who lived first? And who appeared first in the book of Genesis? Okay? So, who came first? Noah or Enoch? Noah or Enoch? Alright, get your answer in your head. And I'll give you the answer. Noah or Enoch? The correct answer is Enoch. Enoch came a few generations before Noah. So Enoch was like the great, great, great grandfather or whatever of Noah. All right, question number two. Who came first? Moses or Abraham? Moses or Abraham? Who came first? The answer to number two is Abraham. All right. That was probably a little easier, hopefully, than the first question. The third one is really easy. I threw an easy one in here, so everybody should get at least one right. Okay? It's easy, so not to give you any pressure or anything. This ought to be pretty easy for everybody. Who came first? Adam? Or Eve? Adam or Eve? All right. Everybody get that? The answer is Adam. Adam came first. And that's a significant point. We'll look at that, that uh, God brings that out. God made man first, so he'd be the leader. But Adam came first, then came Eve. Number four, who came first? Isaac or Jacob? Isaac or Jacob? Answer, 
Isaac came first. Isaac was Jacob's father. Number five, who came first, Jacob or Esau? Jacob or Esau? Esau. <laughs> All right, everybody gets that one now. Very good, because that's kind of a tricky question, because they were brothers. They were actually twins, fraternal twins, and one came out first, and that was Esau. He came out first. He was the older brother, but God chose Jacob as the younger brother to be the uh, recipient of the blessing. All right. Okay, that's all of the who came first questions. Number six is this. Who was the first prophet that God used to begin writing the Bible? So think about it in your head. Who was the first prophet that God began to use that used to begin writing the Bible. In other words, who wrote the first parts of the Bible? And that is significant to what we're beginning with the book of Genesis and following. The first five books were written by Moses, who was the first writing prophet, and that placed him in a very significant position. And he was a very significant place uh, as a prophet because he was the first who began to write the Bible. Number seven. Who is listed in the book of Genesis as the father of the nation of Israel? Now this one is sort of tricky, because there could be two answers you might think of, but there's really one more correct answer. Who is designated as, identified as the father of the nation of Israel in the book? Of Genesis. Answer? Abraham. Abraham was told by God he was going to make him a father of a special nation. He said, out of you, your descendants are going to become a mighty nation, and I'm going to make you their father. The nation of Israel began with Abraham, even though Jacob was the direct father of the 12 tribes of Israel. You might have thought that, but uh, in that sense, he was the direct father of the 12 tribes. But Abraham is where it all started. And that's a very special part of the book of Genesis, chapter 12, uh, that we'll look at. That God did a mighty work, a wonderful work through Abraham in making him a father of the nation of Israel and a father of many other nations. And Abraham is a very, very special place. All right, well, that's the, the quiz. Hey, I do have... Here's an extra, extra credit. Here's a, here's a, it's a hard question. Let's see if anybody can get this extra credit. You get 100 points for this question if you answer. Okay. I don't know what you'll do with 100 points, but you'll get 100 points. <laughs> um, in the book of Genesis, the ancient name of Abraham's descendants, prior to Abraham, he's called a Hebrew. So there was an ancient people called the Hebrews. Who is their father? Who was the father of the Hebrew people that his descendants were named after him? And that occurs in the book of Genesis. Kind of a little known trivia, but it's there. And uh, anybody know who was the father that the Hebrew people were named for? The answer is after the flood, 
there is a, I believe it's after flood. I have to double check that. But there is a genealogy list, and there is the descendant. Yeah, it's a descendant of Shem named Eber, E-B-E-R. And he had two sons, and one of those sons had a lot of children and had many descendants. And uh, I believe that's an indicate what happened was then you see the name Hebrews later and that they multiplied greatly and became identified as a people group and they were named for their father ancestor named Eber and became e Hebrews. And that's where that name originated from. And that's where Abraham came from. And he was called a Hebrew. And the uh, Jewish people, their ancient lineage are identified as Hebrews. We have a book in the New Testament with that name, the book of uh, Hebrews. All right, so all that comes from Genesis. There is a wealth of knowledge of the origins of many, many things, of nations and peoples and of God's work of salvation on the earth. And it is a very, very important book to, uh, to know well. And so I'm looking forward to, to, going, to going through it. Now, we've done a lot of unusual things today. And uh, the text of my message is also unusual because to begin a series on Genesis, our text is going to be in the book of Exodus. And so uh, go to Exodus chapter 24 is where we're going to start today kind of as an introductory message. And you'll see how it'll fit in as we go and look at this. Exodus 24 is going to uh, give an account of God beginning this work of telling Moses to begin writing down a book and putting together a beginning book of His works on the earth. And when Moses began to do that, his first book was Genesis. He goes back and starts at the beginning. But we're going to look here when God, the Bible refers to this work beginning with the prophet of Moses. Verse 1 says, Now he, God, said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come near, nor shall the people go up with him. So Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has said we will do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord. And he rose, rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. Then he sent young men of the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half the blood and put it in basins, and half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read in the hearing of the people. And they said, All that the Lord has said we will do, and be obedient. And Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, This is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you according to all these words. Then Moses went up, also Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy elders of, the, of, of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone. And it was like the very heavens in his clarity. But on the nobles of the children of Israel he did not lay his hand. So they saw God, and they ate, ate and drank. Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and be there, and I will give you tablets of stone and the law and commandments which I have written. 
that you may teach them. So Moses arose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. This is the account of when the Bible first began to be written. There is an earlier reference um, in the book of Exodus of when uh, they fought an earlier battle against the Amalekites after they came out of Egypt, and God tells Moses to write it in the book, the account of the battle. And there's just a brief reference to it. That's the very first reference to the writing of the Bible. But this text is the fullest reference of God commissioning this work through the prophet of Moses and what it was going to be about. These verses really do uh, provide a, a summary of uh, the book of Genesis, uh, which is how we can use it this morning, of talking about some of the main things that God gave through Moses first as the writer, as the great prophet, who was the prophet who wrote down the first, parts, first five books of the Bible, and then, more broadly, of the nation of Israel as a whole, how God used them to give us the Bible, to give us the Lord Jesus, to give us the gift of salvation, and then how this, the first five books of the Bible are the beginning of God's holy word that He has given to us to, uh, to reveal who He is, to, to uh, show us what He is like, and then to give us His laws and His commandments that we are to teach to others. All that's laid out here in these verses in chapter 24. It's a really good overview for us. So let's, let's look at these things. First, we have this um, focus on Moses and the special place that Moses had. In verse 2, God tells the people that Moses alone shall come near me. Moses had a special calling. Moses was a special prophet of God where he was called up to go and to speak to God face to face. I don't believe there's any other prophet in the Bible that received that privilege. Moses alone was allowed this type of experience. He went up on the Mount of Sinai alone, and God came down Himself in His presence, and God met with Moses face to face. When Moses came down from that mountain, his face glowed. It, it, it gave off light because of his experience with God. Moses received a special privilege. There is no other prophet. I guess other than, I'm just thinking of the Apostle John was allowed to go up into heaven in his spirit. But none other had the unique experience of God coming down on the earth to speak to them directly and... Uh, I suppose God did that. Maybe we could speculate God did that because Moses was the, 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 the work he was going to do, that he was the first one to start writing the Bible. And he was going to get it started off in a, you know, it was so important to get it started off in a good way that he did it like this where Moses had this special place. And so in the book of Genesis... You notice my last two questions on the test involve Moses and Abraham. Those are the two very important 
persons, prophets, with the book of Genesis. First with Moses as the writer, and then second, Abraham as really the main character in the book of Genesis. Moses, did I, was that one of the questions? Yeah, I asked you, the second question I asked you, who came first, Moses or Abraham? Those are the two main characters. And it's somewhat, it's kind of odd that Moses writes first. He's the one that writes about Abraham. He writes about going all the way back to the beginning of the creation. Yet Moses lived after Abraham. Moses lived around 1400 B.C. Of course, B.C. years are counting backward. From the genealogy records, we estimate that the creation of the earth happened around 6,000 years ago. Counting back from that, that's into our modern time. We've, from B.C. and A.D., that was time marker in our calendars are, are placed at the time of Christ. That's the division between the B.C. and the A.D. So we've had 2,000 years of A.D. That means in the B.C. time, approximately 4,000 years of Earth's history, going back to the beginning of creation. 4,000 years B.C., counting then back down to zero, Moses lived at about 1,400 B.C. Abraham lived at about 2,000. So approximately five to 600 years later, Moses comes. Yet Moses writes back before Abraham and writes about Abraham. Abraham didn't write anything down. God didn't tell him to write anything down. God used Abraham. God uh, called Abraham and, and uh, brought the nation of Israel up out of Abraham but Moses is the one who writes it all down and records it so that we know about it. And he first writes the book of Genesis, of the beginning of everything. Then he writes Exodus and Numbers, Leviticus. Did I get that out of order? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, then Deuteronomy. And then the end of the book of Deuteronomy we had the death of Moses. And Moses writes these first five books that are the foundation of the Bible and really set the uh, foundation for everything God does after that. And so Moses is a very, very important figure in the Bible, a very important prophet. And then Abraham would be the other very central figure in the book of Genesis. So we have Moses, Abraham. We're also going to see some uh, very other important uh, prophets and people, such as Noah, Enoch. Enoch was, there's a line of patriarchs. Enoch was in that line before Noah. They said Enoch walked with God. He was a very godly man. Then you have Noah, then Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph are the characters in order in the book of Genesis. Then Moses comes after Joseph. 
And actually, in the, in the chronology, he lives at the time of the beginning of Exodus, but then he writes the book of Genesis that goes back in time. There are many prophets that God used greatly. But I want to make this point. Here's a very important point that we need to understand in the context of looking at all of these great prophets of God. They were all ordinary human beings that had weaknesses, they had faults, they made many, many mistakes, and yet God worked in their lives to do great things through their lives, and the credit goes to God. Moses was a great prophet because of God's work in his life. Now Moses did good in receiving God's work, and believing God's work, although he struggled in that. In fact, he ran away from God's purposes for his life for 80 years off in the desert, and it was at the end of his life that he really got in tune with God's purposes. Abraham struggled. Abraham made many mistakes, and yet God did a great work in the life of Abraham and made him a father of many nations. And this... Same is true of all these characters, other than Enoch. We don't, we don't know, although we can say, Enoch, we know Enoch was a sinner. Enoch made mistakes, yet Enoch's testimony is very positive. He walked with God for 300 years. But all of the prophets listed in Genesis, all of them had uh, sins, they had failures, they had struggles, they made mistakes, but God mightily worked in their life and the same is true for us. We don't need to look at these characters and say, oh, well, they just, they live on a plane that I'll never have, and um, I can't experience a relationship with God like they did. They were special. Well, in one sense, they did have special callings of God, you know, that we won't attain. I mean, nobody else is going to be the first author of the Bible. Moses has that place. That's special. Yet, they, the point is, they were ordinary human beings just like us, and God uh, called them and worked and spoke to them just like He can relate to us in a sense that He can use our lives to do His work just like He used their life. The point is, God's the great, the greatness belongs to God, and God is doing a great work on the earth. And he started that work through Moses and Abraham and all these great people. And God is still doing that work today. And he can work in our lives in great ways. And God is going to do his work on the earth till the end. And what he began in Genesis, God's going to finish at the end. And God's going to use people like you and me to do His work. And so while Moses and Abraham have these great reputations, they, they, we stand in awe of them, the fact is they were ordinary men just like ordinary human beings, just like us. And God, though, came and appeared to them and did great things in their lives. And God is still doing that today. Now, Moses was first to write the Bible. The Bible has been ended. The Bible 
as we've got the last book in the Bible, Revelation. There's not going to be more writing of the Bible. But God is still working through men and women and people to do His works on the earth, just like He started in the beginning in the book of Genesis. And so we need to keep that in mind as we look at these um, people and uh, how God used them and worked in their life. And, um, and remember that truth that God is still working His great works today in our lives and it's a continuation of the work that He started with them. And so we have this special place of Moses as the first writing prophet who God used mightily to record these great truths. And, and uh, the book of Genesis is just an amazing uh, revelation that God gave through Moses because uh, God tells Moses things that nobody else knew. God told Moses how he made everything at the beginning when nobody was there yet. You know, after he made Adam, uh, Adam didn't write anything down. But even Adam wasn't there on day one. Adam wasn't there to day six. So Adam didn't even know how God did everything unless God told him. So how did Moses? Moses wrote, what, 1,500 to 4,000 is 2,500. 2,500 years later, Moses writes down how God made everything. How did Moses know those things? I think the answer is in this text. There, uh, verse 12, where God tells Moses to come up to me on the mountain and I will give you tablets of stones and the law and the commandments. When, God, when Moses went up on the Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights, I believe God told Moses how he made everything. And that's when Moses learned it, when he was up on the mountain with God. And God told Moses, this is how I created everything. On the first day, there was, there was nothing. And then I made the heavens and the earth. And then I made light. And God told Moses what he did on each day. And Moses wrote it down in a book. And he began to compile a book, which was Genesis. And he began to write it all down so that his people, the people of Israel, who were a mighty nation by that time, that the Egyptians feared. Moses now was called to be their leader, and he began to record it down in writing so that every generation following would have the written record so that they could what? Teach them to their people, to their children, and to the world. And that's God's great work through Moses and through Israel to give us the record of how He made everything and how, uh, what the foundation of everything is. And that brings us to the second focus now. After the first few verses talk about Moses, then he begins to have a focus on the nation of Israel. Look at verse 4 again. Moses wrote all the words of the Lord, and he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel who offered sacrifices, burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. You see here now a focus on the nation of Israel. And this is God's great work on the earth. He took the descendants of Abraham and he made them into a nation. And that nation was to be his tool to bring about His works of His kingdom on the earth. And He did that in many different uh, ways. 
He did that first through the writing of the Bible. And verse 7 mentions that. He took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. That was the first five books of the Bible. And that came through prophets of Israel. Every writer of the Bible was a prophet of the nation of Israel. God used that nation to give us the Bible. That was one of their great contributions. That is what makes one of the things that makes Israel special is that God created the nation of Israel. The book of Genesis shows that. And God tells Abraham that. And one of the special important things he does then through that nation is he gives, he, he gives the Bible to the world through the nation of Israel. And that is a, a tremendous contribution to the world. That's why we ought to thank God for the nation of Israel. And uh, if you meet a Jewish person today, you ought to thank them. That can be a way you can witness to them and say, uh, I'm very thankful that God used your nation to give us the Bible. And through you, we have the Old Testament and the New Testament. And we have this treasure of truth, of God's laws, God's commandments. And it came through the nation of Israel. Second, God used the nation of Israel to bring the gift of salvation uh, to us. Verse 7 and 8, or verse 8, Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people and said, This is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you, according to all these words. He gave to the nation of Israel the sacrifices of the blood atonement to, to, uh, to do with the animals as a model and a picture and a preparation for understanding of the work Jesus would do when he came as the Lamb of God. And it was through the blood atonement that our sins would be forgiven as a gift of grace. And we would receive salvation as a gift. We receive it through faith in the Lord Jesus and His shedding His blood for us. The blood covenant. Where God promised, if you will repent of your sin and believe on the blood Jesus shed on the cross, then I will forgive your sins. That's my agreement. I will promise to forgive all your sins forever and allow you to live with me forever. That's the blood covenant. And that came to the nation of Israel. They modeled it, and then they actually provided the sacrifice in the descendant of Abraham and the descendant of uh, David. In the Lord Jesus, Jesus was a Jew. He was an Israelite of the tribe of Judah, and he would be the sacrifice for the whole world. God used a person from the nation of Israel to bring salvation to the world. God did that. He used all of these people to do this. He used Moses to be the first writing prophet. He used the nation of Israel to be his nation on the earth to model his kingdom. He used Joseph and Mary, Mary particularly, to bring the Lord Jesus into the world. It was Him, God, the coming flesh, a real human being who would give His blood to be shed for us. All of this is set up in the book of Genesis. It's all introduced in the book of Genesis. And it's all one story, an amazing story of God's 
work of grace on the earth as recorded in the Bible. And so we have here this focus on the nation of Israel that, that uh, God will uh, give the history of in the book of Genesis. And then the third focus we have here is how God has given us His Word. And the important thing He wants us to do with that is in verse 12, the end of verse 12 that we read earlier, which I have written that you may teach them. God has given us His Word. He's given us the book of Genesis so that we may teach it to first to our, our, our children. And then we teach it to others. And we teach it to the world so they'll know the truth. So they'll know how everything was made. So they'll know that we weren't made by a big explosion 4.6 billion years ago. That God made everything by speaking it. God didn't make everything with dynamite. That doesn't make anything. You've ever been around an explosion? Nothing good comes out of an explosion. God made it as a master creator, master designer, who said, let there be. And it was. God designed the earth, and that is what uh, makes sense. When, when we look at the earth, and we see how it is designed in such wonderful ways, and in such uh, complex ways. Just like what we talked about earlier, the sun cycle. The sun goes through this 11-year cycle over and over and over and over. It's like it's programmed. It is programmed into it. Who did that? God did. That's not random. It didn't happen randomly by chance. God designed the sun to function that way, to regulate the weather patterns on the earth. It's all been designed. The book of Genesis tells us that. God tells us that through the prophet Moses. And we wouldn't know it otherwise. God has given us these books to give us a wealth of knowledge of His truth that we need. And we are to teach that to others. The Bible should be the most important book that we own. It should be the most important book that we utilize. Teach it to our families. Fathers, God calls you to be teaching the Bible in your home to your children. Deuteronomy 6. Here, God used Moses to, to speak this. After he gave him the law, he says, And these, these words shall be in your heart first, men, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. When you sit in your house, when you... Walk by the way when you lie down, when you rise up. He charges us fathers to be teaching this book to our families in our homes, when you sit in your house. And so God's plan is that we have the church meeting and we gather together for mutual encouragement, fellowship, and support. And the teaching of God's Word as He has called uh, men to preach His Word. And that's what I'm doing right now. It's to all for our edification, for all being built up. But then, fathers, God tells you, you're to go home during the week and you're to be teaching this book to your children and to your home. Ephesians 6.4, you fathers, bring your children up in the training and admonition of the Lord. We're to use this book to teach it. We're to teach it to our families first. We're to teach it in the church. And we're to teach it out in the community. And we have a very big need of doing that today as we've been talking. The world is hearing on the nightly news that we're setting record temperatures 
and that we are getting out of control with global warming. And it's from the main reason, they say, is from the green, from carbon emissions, from gasoline-powered engines. That is what's being put out on the news. It's being printed in the papers. It's being uh, announced in government policies. And they're all being lied to. And we know the truth. God gives us the truth. The answer is the sun. The heat comes from the sun. And that that is what is causing the weather patterns on the earth. We need to be sharing that with people. We need to be teaching it. We have the truth. God used Moses to begin writing this wonderful book. And we are to share it, teach it to others. And I think a great thing for us to think about doing is to look for opportunities when we can bring in a Bible verse into our conversations. We can say, well, you know, the Bible says this. Of course, that means we've got to be memorizing Scripture. That shows the importance of memorizing Scripture. And then be looking for ways that we can bring it in and relate it to life on the earth. And there's lots of opportunities for that if we will just think about it. And may God help us to do that. And a lot of those answers are going to come out of the book of Genesis. As we deal with the Middle East crisis and all the fighting there, all the conflict there. The answer is in the book of Genesis. Ishmael and Isaac. That's where that started. And it continues today. The answer is in the book of Genesis. But what all the source of that conflict is. And so the Bible has many, many, many answers for us. And the book of Genesis has many, many answers for us that we are to be teaching and sharing and proclaiming to the world that are answers for what's happening in life on the earth. But the greatest of all is the message of His salvation that we need to share with others. We need to believe it ourselves and we need to share it with others so others can believe it. For that is what will determine whether they'll be saved or not in the end. Alright, so we'll start at uh, Genesis 1 next week, Lord willing. And we'll begin making our way through Genesis. We won't try to get bogged down too slow, but we'll try to do a, a journey through and see the great truths through the book of Genesis. All right, let's bow our heads and pray. And as we pray, would you, would you think about how God has spoken to you? Has He said anything to you through this time of talking about His Word, talking about His work on the earth, through the Bible, through Israel, through His salvation? God saying anything to you? God is a God who speaks. The Bible is a testimony that He wants to speak. He does speak. Has God spoken to your heart about anything today? If He has, you need to listen to Him. I urge you to listen to Him, respond to Him, accept God's work in your life. That is the need that we have. Accept His salvation. Accept His commandments accept his guidance in your life acceptance is the key for life working accepting god's will in our life we praise you lord for all your great work on the earth we praise you for your work to moses thank you for his great to uh, being a tool for uh, of you to write the book of genesis and exodus and the following books 
to give us this wealth of knowledge of your work in ancient history and at the beginning. We just praise you, Lord, for what we have in the Bible. We pray you just help us to be obeying you, to be accepting your will, to be obeying your word, and to be sharing it with others. And to continue on this great work that you began through Moses. And you continue it today through these books. And may you help us to be messengers of your covenant today to a world who needs you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.